In a few hours, Christmas will be here. Uh, in fact, it's, for many of us, as we leave this place, we'll be going to celebrations with family and loved ones even tonight and beginning to celebrate the fact that Christmas is here. And our season of waiting is over. You know, for many people in the world, uh, Christmas is all about December 25th. It's about that day and how much you put into that day. But for us who are followers of Christ, that season of Christmas starts much earlier. It's the Advent season starts a month before. The word Advent itself means waiting or coming. And it's an anticipation for the celebration of Christ coming into the world. We remember the long wait that the world had for God to come to earth to save us. But it's also a time for us to wait and to anticipate Christ coming into the world again one day. To eliminate suffering and evil and to fix all that is broken in the world. We wait for that day also to come. You know, waiting is hard for us no matter what age, isn't it? I remember when I was a kid, I, I could not wait for Christmas to get here. I mean, I, I was always so frustrated about how long it took, right? So I, it wasn't until I was probably about 12 or 13 years old that I realized that my mom and dad had something to do with the way Christmas uh, takes place on Christmas morning, that it wasn't just Santa that was involved. And so I started learning that, man, if I just looked in the right places in the house, I could find quite a bit. I remember, you know, if I, if I, I remember if I could just wait for my mom and dad to get out of the house for at least just a little while, I, could, I had these certain spots that I would go to and I would find stuff and pull it out and play with it and then put it back all just exactly the way I found it. So hopefully mom and dad would not know that I've already been looking at my, my stuff. Only one year they actually caught me in the act and that was a real mess. But other than that, I usually got away with it, you know. But I couldn't stand the idea of waiting for December 25th to finally get here. You know, and as, as we get older, the t- things that we tend to wait for, they tend to get a bit more complicated and a little bit more out of reach. We wait for things like a, re- a meaningful relationship to come into our lives or a job or a new living situation. Many of us, we wait for healing to come. We wait for the salvation of a loved one. We wait for direction for God to reveal, to provide, to, to move, to direct us somehow. To answer us or to guide us toward that thing that is so big in our hearts. It wouldn't surprise me at all if many of you, if not all of you tonight, you're in a place of waiting. Not just waiting for Christmas, but you've been in a place of waiting for something important in your future that remains still quite uncertain. You don't know when it will come or how it will come, but you keep waiting and asking God. And that answer is probably not coming nearly as quickly as you think it should. You know, it's really hard to understand sometimes why God makes us wait the way he does, isn't it? But what if part of God's plan and his purpose in those situations was the waiting itself? For us to learn how to wait well. To learn patience, to learn trust, to learn perseverance through his his plans, his timing. Even when it gets down to the wire and it looks like God's not doing anything, really. What if in whatever situations that you're facing tonight that you need, that you're waiting for, what if God is at work in the waiting 
in and forming you in ways that you can't even see tonight. You know, we think we know the best timing for our lives and how quickly we think things should happen in our lives. And coincidentally for us, our, you know, we all think that the waiting should just be over, right? It should just, just be now. But what if God has a plan for us in the waiting? If God, um, if he, God does use these times in our lives, then as we conclude this Advent season, and as we wait on God, as we pray for our waiting to end... Dare we ask God how God might be waiting on us and what it is that he wants us to learn from the waiting. To, to kind of unpack this for you a little bit, let me t- share with you the story, a true story of a young man who lived long ago named Ahaz. Ahaz lived about 2,700 years ago. He was made king of the little nation of Judah when he was the age of 20. Judah was this very small nation that had broken off from Israel years and years before. And there was this big empire that was in existence at the time called the Assyrian Empire. And they were basically going around and they were taking over everything. And there were this bunch of small little nations uh, that were around Judah at the time. And they thought, why don't we just team up together and form an alliance, kind of like a an Old Testament version of NATO, right? Where they decided they were going to get together and they were going to fight off Assyria if they ever decided to come to their part of the, the, to their neck of the woods. And they were like, you know, if, they, if Assyria attacks one of us, it, it, it's, it's attacking all of us. We're going to band together and we're going to protect ourselves. And so this band of nations, they go to Ahaz, who's this new young man who's king of Judah, and, or, yeah, of Judah, and he, they say, why don't you come in league with us? Why don't you join us and we can fight off Assyria together? Sounded like a good plan. But uh, Ahaz was pretty wise in recognizing, even as a young man, that that probably wasn't going to go well. Trying to league up against this huge, huge empire. He, he realized, even at that age, that this is probably not going to end well if I get involved with this. And furthermore, he thought, I don't really trust any of these guys leading these nations any further than I can see them. So it's probably best that I just stay out of the way as long as I can. Well... Sooner or later, he starts to realize that that he's not going to be able to avoid this situation much longer because then they start plotting to attack him in Judah. They decide, well, if he's not going to join us, we'll just attack him. We'll remove him as king and put someone else in his place, and then Judah will be part of what we're doing. So Ahaz, at this point in his life, is this young man who's been put in uh, in this place of being king. He's pretty fearful. He's pretty much in a panic, and he's got this huge decision. That he's facing. His whole nation is in a panic as they hear that these other nations are getting ready to attack them. Even Israel itself. Israel is getting ready to attack Judah, their sister nation, because they won't join them. Then Assyria hears about this and they, they come alongside Ahaz and say, You know what, if you just join on, get on our team, then we'll, we'll protect you from all these other nation states that are around you that are wanting to attack you. So, they don't come, they, he doesn't make that decision quickly enough. And all these little nations attack this Ahaz and this little nation of Judah. And somehow Ahaz manages to fend them off. And they back away and they start regrouping. And Ahaz is just thinking, God, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? I don't, know, I don't know what to do in this situation. He's thinking about going to this king of Assyria and finally saying, you know what? I'll do whatever you want. Just protect us. At that time... As he's wondering what he should do, God used a man with a prophetic voice named Isaiah. 
Isaiah came in the picture and he came to Ahaz and he talked to him. He said to uh, Ahaz, Ahaz, God has been speaking to me and he has a word for you about what you're to do in your situation. It's a mess. I realize how bad this situation is for you, but I have the answer from God. God says to you today that you're not to do anything. You're just to wait. Wait this thing out. Don't sign on to either side. Don't even pick a side. Just wait, Ahaz, and hope in the Lord. Wasn't the, that wasn't the advice Ahaz was looking for. But in the midst of all this, as, as God tells him to wait, Isaiah also says that God says that there's going to be a virgin who will give birth to a son, and he is to be called God with us, or Emmanuel. This prophecy comes to Ahaz in the world in further detail in the verses of Isaiah chapter 9, where it says, The people who walk in darkness around us will see a great light. For those who live in a land of deep darkness, a light will shine. For a child is born to us, a son is given to us, the government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His government and its peace will never end. He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. The passionate commitment of the Lord of heaven's armies will make this happen. Isaiah describes a light coming into the world in the midst of this situation as a baby boy. A baby boy who'd one day have the government of the whole world on his shoulders as a mighty God who would establish a peace that would never end. Sounds very appealing to Ahaz in this moment, except the fact that God's saying to Ahaz, now that's coming, but I just want you to wait. Now, you may notice in these verses I read, at no point does God speak through Ahaz until, or speak through Isaiah to tell Ahaz how long he has to wait, how long this waiting is going to last. He just says, wait. Well, if you know the story, you know that Ahaz doesn't wait well. In 2 Kings 16, it says that he resorted to worshiping and offering sacrifices to the gods of all the other nations around him. He wasn't just worshiping the God of Israel. He was actually just, he, he was looking around and seeing all these other gods, all these other nations were worshiping. And he was just like hedging his bets. He's like, if I, if I worship them all, if I sacrifice to all of them, maybe I'll look out here and I'll, and I'll get, a, get out of this mess. He even goes so far, as we see in this passage, to sacrifice his own son in his sheer desperation for something to happen, for him to be able to get out of this mess. In Second Chronicles 28, it says that these nations attack Judah again, and the wait for Ahaz just becomes too much. And he leaves God behind, and then he goes to the king of Assyria and asks for the king of Assyria to bail him out thinking that that will be the answer. He takes matters into his own hands. And Assyria comes in and he, Assyria defeats all these other nations around Judah. And, he's, and so Ahaz is really excited until the king of Assyria comes and says, okay, now I've, I've done your job for you. It's time that you pay me more taxes. And Judah couldn't pay any more than they were already paying. And so the king of Assyria just wipes out Judah as well. Now, we can look at this terrible story and we could think to ourselves, Ahaz, dude, why didn't you just wait? 
Right? Why couldn't you just... I mean, God sent a prophet to you to make sure you understood what you had to do. He didn't tell you you had to do anything. Just wait. Why couldn't you wait? I mean, we, we could sit back, you know, 2,000 years later and wonder, what would God have done in this situation if Ahaz had just waited? We, we, we will never know. Can you see that... While Ahaz was waiting on God, though, that God was waiting on Ahaz as well? And do you think that maybe God is waiting on you sometimes these days as well? What might it be that God is trying to teach you? What ways might God be trying to grow you through the waiting that you've been going through in your own situations? Now, while I doubt... You're sacrificing or killing off members of your own family in desperation, well, at least not physically. Um, <laughs> few of us, very, very few of us, tend to wait well, do we? You know, there's an author named Henry Nowen who once said this about waiting. He said, For many people, waiting is an awful desert between where they are and where they want to go, and people do not like such a place. They want to get out of it by doing something. Waiting, as we see it in the people on the, page, for the first pages of the gospel, is waiting with a sense of promise. And he's right, because as we read the opening pages of the gospel, gospels, we see this story of the Advent season, of this God who comes to earth. This God who comes near to bring hope to the world. When things in our lives get stressful and they just drag on and when time feels like it's running out and God doesn't seem to be responding. We want to make things happen on our own like Ahaz. We miss out in those moments on what God is wanting to teach us in the waiting. And doing that can also short circuit God's best for our lives. Now, I know as I'm speaking to you tonight, some of you are here today and you're just tired of the wait. You're tired of waiting for the answer to come. You're tired of waiting for the healing to come. Maybe you're here tonight and you're lonely and you have been waiting for God to provide that meaningful person in your life in the midst of your singleness for so long now that you just want to throw in the towel and just compromise in some way to just have someone and get out of the wait. To some of you, perhaps you are married, but you're unhappy with your marriage. And rather than trusting and, and waiting, you have this desire to just cheat on your spouse. Some of you aren't happy with the income and what you have. And there's this temptation to get buried in debt or to settle for a job that pays more but makes you miserable in the process. People can get so unhappy with life and the way things are going that they can get to a point where they see there's no point in waiting or suffering any longer and they take their lives in desperation. You know, someone once said, the greatest spiritual threat to our lives isn't rejecting God, but it's in supplementing God. Ahaz supplemented God by worshiping and sacrificing all these other gods at the same time all around him, thinking he would hedge his bets. But for us these days, we tend to supplement in other ways, don't we? We supplement God with things like alcohol to just kind of numb the pain. 
of the waiting. Or with overeating. Or with constant entertainment distractions. Just to get our minds off of the reality that we're living in. Our waiting, if, if we're not waiting well, can come out with feel, feelings of fear and anger. We can become cynical and bitter towards God or towards others because they've disappointed us. God doesn't arbitrarily hold His best from us. It's in His wisdom that, in His wisdom, He knows how much time we need before He brings the answers that we are waiting for. Throughout history, God has tested and matured people in times of waiting. It's a part of life, isn't it? I mean, think about it. And just in the scriptures alone, he, he tested Abraham and Sarah as they waited for years for a son. They were in their 90s before they had their son born. Rachel and Hannah, they waited for their child to be born for a long time as well. We see the story of Joseph in prison who's waiting for justice after being falsely accused. And he rots in a prison cell for years saying, God, where are you? How much longer? We see Moses and Joshua waiting in the desert for years for God to allow them to go into the promised land. We see Ruth waiting for a husband while she scrambles to make ends meet and she's living destitute. We see David who is waiting to be king. He's been anointed king, but yet he's having to wait and wait as he's running from his, for his life from others who are trying to kill him. We see Job waiting and waiting for his tremendous suffering to end. On and on, we, we see these stories. People stretch to the utter limits waiting for God. And then, at the right time, through that faithfulness of waiting, God answers. Abraham and Sarah, after laughing about the prospect of having a child, they have a child. Joseph, getting released, and not only getting released from prison, but becoming the second most powerful person in Egypt, second only to the Pharaoh, walking out of prison and going into a seat of power. David, being, finally being made king, and Job's life, and all the things that had been broken in his life being restored. Again, And at just the right time, Galatians records, God's promises through Isaiah came too. On that first Advent, that, that first Christmas night in Bethlehem, God came to bring the world relief from their sins. King Herod didn't wait well in those days, and he took matters into his own hands as Jesus was born, and many people suffered as a result. Yet others embraced this season of waiting. Mary and Joseph decided to wait. Even though Joseph thought, if I wait and I marry this gal, what will people say about me? But as the angel come, he decided to wait and to trust. And then as that child was born and they were told to flee to Egypt for their lives and they waited in this foreign land as refugees for years, they waited, and they waited patiently for God's answers to come. They finally came. Guys, God is never late. Waiting for God is never arbitrary. The question is, can we wait on God as God waits on us? Today, we await a second advent for God to come into the world again. 
This time to bring relief from pain and suffering. To make the world right again as it was when he first created it. Romans chapter 8 says that we wait and we groan under the weight of our suffering. God uses our waiting to form us. To build faith and trust and to make us more like Jesus. And to help us anticipate that second advent when that every tear will be wiped from our eyes and there will be no more suffering, no more sickness, no more violence, no more pain ever again. There was a man who lived uh, about 75 years ago named Dietrich Bonhoeffer. And uh, he was a pastor in Germany during World War II. And he actually wrote this at one point before he died. He said, the Advent season is a season of waiting. But then he says, when you think about it, our whole life is an Advent season. That is a a season of waiting for the last advent, for the time when there will be a new heaven and a new earth. After Isaiah spoke to Ahaz, we see later in the book of Isaiah, chapter 40, what God does for us in the waiting. It says, as we wait upon the Lord, He renews our strength. We are given the ability to face, to even soar over whatever problems come our way. So let me ask you again tonight. How willing are you now to wait? To wait for God's answers to come. Because you can just decide, I'm just going to take this out on my own. God's not working quickly enough. I'm just going to make something happen. And you can settle. Or you and I, we can choose to wait and trust that God's best is right around the corner. Grace, in 2020, you will enter into another season of waiting. Another season of of Advent, as you might call it. As you wait for God to bring the next person here who will be your pastor and lead you in the years to come. That next pastor, whoever he or she is, will be blessed with an amazing community here. I can't wait to see who he might bring your, your way. But as, as I pray for you and as I pray as you get ready to go into this season of waiting, I pray that you won't get fearful or frustrated with the process, that you won't rush and just settle, but that you will wait for God's best. And as you wait, I pray that you also might consider how God may be waiting on you, how God may be wanting to grow you through this process and what kind of um, people that he wants you to become. I pray that you will have an eager anticipation like a kid at Christmas for what God has in store for you here in the years to come. Some of you who are here tonight, I would also say God has been waiting on you for a really long time now for you to take steps closer to him because you've been resisting him for so long. Maybe You uh, walked away from God a long time ago because he didn't work the way you expected him to. Or you've just had doubts if he's even there. And God has been patiently waiting for you to come back to him. At Christmas Eve, we remember that the light has come, including for you, regardless of your past mistakes or the decisions you've made, regardless of your doubts. In God's eyes, it doesn't matter. He longs to have that relationship with you. Tonight, are you willing to end God's wait 
and to respond to him with simple, childlike faith and trust. I'll close with this. Uh, Over this last year, I have been in a season of waiting as well. As some of you know, I've uh, had to make some very difficult steps this year in my own life, my own journey of faith. And uh, that has led to a long season of intense waiting that I've been going through for months now. And I know that as uncertain as things are, even in my own life tonight, I know that God is in that waiting. And I can trust. Over these last several months, I have been stuck every single week in this one psalm. It's Psalm 37. I have read it over and over again so many times. That page is probably almost, it's almost worn out of my Bible now. I keep going back to it so many times. There's one verse that I I have been going back to over and over in Psalm 37 that's so appropriate for tonight. It's verse 7. And it says, Be still in the presence of the Lord and wait patiently for Him to act. Be still in God's presence. Be at a place of peace because you know that God is in control no matter how chaotic things seem to be around you, no matter how long the wait has been. And wait patiently for him to act, knowing his timing is perfect. Psalm 27, 14 says something very similar. It says, be patient and wait on the Lord. Be strong and courageous and wait for his answer to come. May we be a people here in Tucson who wait on God well. Waiting no matter how long the season might last. We're always in these seasons of Advent. These seasons of waiting where we can do only so much and we have to wait for God to do the rest. Tomorrow, let's celebrate that we no longer have to wait for God to be in our lives because He is here. And for the things that we still wait for, let's anticipate His good answers that are to come. Would you pray with me? Lord, we are so excited that this season of Advent has come to a close. That tomorrow morning, Christmas is here. And we can celebrate how you are integrally involved in our lives. That you have come. No longer do we, do, does humanity have to wait in darkness for an answer to one day come. For a Messiah, for a Savior to come. For a relationship with God to actually happen. Because you have arrived and you're here with us. Through every storm we face, through every season of waiting and uncertainty, you are present with us. Forgive us, Lord, for those times when we want to just take matters into our own hands. When we struggle with the waiting. Lord, help us to offer these things to you tonight that we have been waiting so patiently for even with sheer frustration at times. Lord, we just give those to you tonight and we ask that in your timing that you would bring them and not even, no, no not, not before. 